It's Pete's microphone. But it's your show. Stand up with Pete Dominic. All right. We're going to continue talking about Storm the Hill, the initiative with the Iraq and Afghanistan veterans of America. We'll be joined later in this hour by a Navy vet who was also an F-15. F- oh, I almost said F-15. He would have been very offended. F-18 fighter jet pilot Jeremy Newton will join us. But first, we wanted to welcome on another congressman. Uh, he is a Republican. He represents Texas's 17th congressional district. His son, huge fan of the program, who I've corresponded with a number of times, uh, and uh, has has tried to get dad on. Uh, his dad, dad is finally on, ladies and gentlemen, Congressman William Flores of Texas, uh, or Bill, as he, uh, as I think he uh, prefers, uh, at Rep. Bill Flores, Congressman. Welcome to the conversation. Thank you for joining us today. Well, howdy. It's great to be on with you, Pete. Am I right that uh, that your son, who shares your name, has uh, has harassed you many times to join me? Well, I, I didn't realize that until this morning when I was listening to the lead-in, so I'm going to have to ask him about it. I guess he has. Uh, all right. Well, we appreciate, no matter why uh, or how we got you, that you're here today because we know that you're a big advocate uh, for uh, for the uh, the vets, we know that you and your wife Gina are big contributors to the Wounded Warrior programs, and that and that you've done a lot in your personal life uh, with with uh, trying to help advocate for the vets. Now you're a congressman. Uh, what do you see as the problems that these vets uh, are facing right now? Well, there are a variety of issues that that uh, typically all revolve around the Veterans Administration. Now, part of it is related to our economy. Uh, but but when they when they come back from serving our country bravely um, in the war on terror, they come back to uh, an economy that is not generating enough jobs so that they can have uh, uh, good paying jobs in a short period of time. You've got uh, claims issues at the VA where the, that they struggle with, um, and and you've got a uh, you know even on the post 9/11 GI Bill, the systems there that for their claims processing systems are are tend to be. Uh, what I would say is uh, less than state-of-the-art, and so these young men and women struggle with getting the benefits that uh, the American people have promised to them. And, and you know, when we think about the, the promises that, that, are, that are made, I mean, that about says it all, right? I mean, these, these men and women uh, volunteered for service, all of them, and, uh, and then they're not getting what they, uh, what they were promised. Uh, that, that shouldn't be too much to ask, right? That's correct. I, I fully agree with you. I met with four of America's uh, former warriors yesterday, Tyrek, Brandon, Aaron, and Ann, and they all uh, told me about the issues that they had their uh, brothers and sisters um, in the vet that, that uh, formerly served in, in the uniformed services are facing now as veterans. Were those guys, Were they from uh, part of IAVA Storm the Hill initiative, those guys? Yes, so they were. Uh, two of them from, were from New York, uh, one from Arkansas, and one from California. Impressive group, right? I met with them. I was in D.C. on Monday meeting with all of them. Uh, they're, they're a really uh, impressive group. Now, when you meet with them, you are probably met. You're in D.C. now, right? Obviously. Yes, sir, I am. So um, I am. You, you meet with a lot of different um, uh, advocates and lobbyists. Uh, technically, they're lobbying you for veterans' rights. And you meet with other you know, uh, important advocates uh, every day. Um, how do they rank in terms of being uh, convincing? Well, they're they're always at the top of my priority list because of the selfless service that they've offered to our country. And in terms of uh, 
uh, they're, first of all, well, I always put them, I rank them the highest, and here's why. One is that they, they've agreed to serve our country. Number two is we agreed to make promises. And number three, and, and most devastatingly, uh, the country is not adhering to its promises that it made to them. And uh, so I always try to spend more time with them and try to dig into the, the details uh, so that we can find ways to, to fix the, the bureaucracy that is not treating them fairly. Uh, you represent Texas's 17th congressional district. Do you have any military bases in that district? And, and what kind of percentage or numbers uh, of your constituents are, are, are veterans or military families, Congressman? We don't have – we've got a couple of, of uh, National Guard and Reserve facilities. We don't have any large military um, installations other than that. That said, we do – since we're right next door to Fort Hood, which is the largest military base in the country, we do have a large percentage of veterans, about 10 percent or 70,000 people of uh, my constituents um, are, are uh, veterans of our um, nation's uh, uniform services. When you, um, I'm sure they talked to you about the VA backlog, and I'm sure they uh, talked to you hopefully about the, uh, the, the idea of having uh, the president create a commission to take a look at what the problem is. Uh, have you yourself signed the petition uh, to end the backlog? Do you, uh, uh, do you agree that that I mean, and it's fair to, to to disagree for a number of reasons. But you think, as IAVA is advocating for, that the president should create a commission of experts to look into what the problems are? Because, as they said, Paul Rykoff, their fearless leader at IAVA, we've thrown money at it, we've thrown technology at it, we've thrown people at it, which sounds like all the things that we should do. But for whatever reason, we haven't been able to uh, make uh, do, make enough of a dent in this backlog, and 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 that they think that this commission of experts. Uh, you know, you're a former CEO of an energy company. Maybe you could be on it. You know, whoever experts, you know, with with their expertise and their background, they think this commission would make a difference. Do you agree? I'm not really sure because here's the issue. Under this administration, the backlog has increased by about 2,000%, according to a Center for Investigative Reporting article that was just released. And so if the president creates a commission to, to look at what his administration has done, I'm not sure it'll be, it'll be effective. Uh, I did sign the, the petition yesterday because I'm I'm trying to grasp at every straw I can to fix the the problems. But you can't insinuate. It needs more congressional oversight, in my opinion. All right. Well, that, I think that could be a, an, an an important uh, offering too. But you can't insinuate that this is a that this is a political thing. You could probably talk about leadership and maybe maybe. I mean, would you would you agree that the I believe four star uh, general. Uh, General Shinseki, who uh, served his country honorably, who is now the head of the VA, uh, do you think that perhaps his leadership is in question? Some have, uh, I believe, uh, have have called for his resignation. Well, and, and first of all, let me let me clarify. I don't think this is political uh, at all. I, I think that uh, it's it just. I think it's a bureaucracy issue. Now, with respect to Shinseki, I have, have met with him multiple times, and I think that his heart is in the right place, and, and he is trying to direct the country's second largest bureaucracy to improve what it does. But he is really struggling with this. So I'm not among those calling for his resignation. A minute ago, you talked about the inputs it takes to get things done. You talked yeah. about people. You talked about money. You talked about systems. But one of the things that was left out was culture the culture of an organization. Mm -hmm. So if we go through those things, we, we have thrown lots of people at the Veterans Administration. Their, their head count's grown by tens of thousands in the last five years. We've thrown money at it. We're spending more on, on veterans' uh, issues than ever before. We have spent a half a billion dollars on this new system that's supposed to be a, a wonderful uh, system, but it's still we still process 97% of the claims by paper. 
But what we haven't been able to get arms around and to fix is the culture. And I, to, in my view, and I think Chairman Miller would agree with this, that's the biggest single issue we've got. We've got a bureaucracy that cares more about itself and the bureaucrats than it does about our nation's veterans. Well, yeah, and but we also have a Congress. We also have a Congress that you guys just did an idiotic thing uh, with this sequester thing, and and it's coming up in the House. I know this maybe today to, for a vote. Where it also cut tuition assistance program to every every branch except the Navy, who is still considering it. Um, you guys have an op- opportunity to vote that back in. I mean. Um, and part of that, I'm, I'm sure, is, a, is the cross the VA. So, I mean, what, what about what about the idiocy within our own Congress and the, you know, I don't know if you want to blame it on bureaucracy or politics, but that's a that's a, a real dumb thing. All Americans and most, I think, of you guys agree that that's a real stupid way to cut spending. Right. Well, Pete, let me let me push back a little bit. Sure. Yes, I agree it's a stupid cut, but that was a cut that the military decided in terms of how to spread the cost of the sequester around among the branch. That did not impact veterans at all. So, I mean, well, uh, that, question, that, wait, wait, hold on a second. Now, I, I agree. How does that not impact veterans who are trying to get tuition assistance? No, the two, veterans get tuition assistance under the GI Bill, and, and we have not cut any veterans' benefits. We haven't even cut the Veterans Administration overhead. So the Veterans Administration has been totally insulated from the sequester. Well, I'm, I'm, so, I'm happy to be wrong on that. Yeah, so nobody can blame the sequester on anything having to do with veterans. Uh, and so that's one of the things we were fortunately able to firewall off from the, the impact of the sequester. So, you know, we, we, we protected military personnel in terms of its cuts. And with respect to veterans, we've cut it 100 I mean, we have protected it. Uh, 100% well, let me, let, me, let me ask you if you think I, I kind of diagnose this problem, Congressman, is as as um, as the VA being completely unprepared. You know, I think the backlog has to do with the VA being unprepared for the number of claims and, and, and patients that were going to need help. And uh, I don't want to make this political because I think plenty of Democrats, including Joe Biden, our vice president, Hillary Clinton, uh, our former secretary of state, our current secretary of state, uh, John Kerry and and many more. Uh, advocated for, sold, and and uh, supported the authorization of the invasion of Iraq. But we were told, as you know, it would be maybe uh, six days, six weeks, six, but probably not more than six months. It was 10 years. Um, it was o- almost 10 years. Um, and, and these veterans are, are, are now coming back with uh, uh, the types of injuries that maybe we didn't expect. But the number of claims the VA was completely unprepared for. We were not prepared for wars to last this long. I blame all the people who authorized these wars, who were all wrong about what they expected of these wars. And uh, I mean, I, I mean, I think that I think that how could they, you know, be prepared for this these many injuries and these these length of wars? Well, it does appear that we tried to fight these wars in what I'd call a, a military-like manner, and then versus trying to do it the way we did the first Iraq War or the way we even fought World War II. We don't end our wars well in this country, and that's something I think we need to do some soul-searching about. Uh, you know, that we should have gone in. I mean, if, if our ambition in, in Iraq was to depose a leader, we should have gone in, uh, deposed him, and then to provide security and then rebuilding and then get the heck out of there. And we should have done that in a couple of years instead of, well, 11 years. Well, we now. did do those things. We did everything you just said. We provided security. We rebuilt, but didn't didn't go well. <laughs> right, but we had a small footprint. If you look at the, the manpower that we had set aside for the, the first Iraq War, right. I mean, you had hundreds of thousands, right. not just about it. You know, I think the peak uh, manpower in Iraq during the surge was around 130 to 150,000 people. 
you know, we'd have had a half a million people in there. We could have gotten this that job wrapped up more quickly. Now, I'm not here trying to second guess the decisions that were made by the military leaders or by the political leaders. That, that should should, should we not second guess them? It's 10 years. Should we not second guess these leaders? They were wrong. Everybody was wrong. Wait, yeah, and, I, on all sides. I'm, I'm not making is, it political. I'm talking the military leaders were wrong. We know who is right. We know who is wrong. I mean, there's no there's no discrepancy about that, is there, Congressman? Well, I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure we can say that at this point because even if even if we had gone with the route I said, I think it would have turned out better. But I can't say that. No, but we know what we were wrong for the reasons that we were told we were fighting that war. Well, that that part is true. Now, that right. part's very okay. True. So those people, I think. Have compromised their credibility. I think they were wrong. I think you know John McCain was wrong on almost every count about the war. Well, Coming back to the core issues, though, and that's how yes. we deal with our veterans. I, Thank yeah, you for bringing me back there. Sorry, I get heated, Congressman. Sorry, but well, th- no, I do too. And this, particularly on this, on this, on this issue. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and so I, I do believe the VA was unprepared. And then the other thing that we did, we did the right thing in terms of dealing with Agent Orange claims, and so we had several hundred thousand new claims enter the system. And the VA, to its credit, I think, handled those claims very well, but mm-hmm. it did it at the expense of current claims or new claims, and then now they're trying to grapple with that. Can you see, uh, you know, you diagnose this as, as, as a bureaucratic problem. Congressman uh, William Flores of Texas, right? I mean, can you see, I mean, can you say right now a solution, an idea that you might have uh, from, from anybody that you've talked to about what can be done? Well, here's what I, if you look at, at uh, the private sector, you've got, companies that process hundreds of thousands of claims a day, and they do it with 99% plus accuracy, and they do it on a speedy basis. Mm-hmm. And we look at how many how many medical claims does Blue Cross Blue Shield or MetLife or uh, folks like that, how many claims do they process every day uh, that deal with, with not not similar issues, but reasonably, you know, they're, they're in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. And so what if we did a pilot program to say, okay, let's take some of these VA claims put it into a private sector system and see how, and, and just have a head-to-head competition and see how uh, MetLife processes uh, VA claims versus a VA bureaucracy. That's something I think we, we ought to think about. Uh, now, I'm not saying, you know, kill the VA. That's, that's far from what I'm saying. But let's look at that. You know, and, and something else to look at is, you know, if you've got a veteran that's 80 years old that lives in Madisonville, Texas, why does that man and his 78-year-old wife have to drive to the Waco uh, VA hospital or to the Houston VA hospital for, for treatment. Why can't they go to their local doctor? Why can't they go to a, a medical facility in College Station, which is only 30 miles away instead of 100 miles away? Yeah, that's a big problem. I, I, think, we, I think those are things we need to think about. What, what, if we always put the veteran at the top of the pyramid and think mm-hmm. we're trying to take care of them and, and care less about the bureaucracy, I think we'll get this right. Uh, Congressman uh, William Flores is uh, is our guest. You know, when you, you mentioned, you know, learning from the private sector for the VA, could the private sector learn something from the VA in terms of the abil- their ability? The, 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 the VA, as you know, is a socialized system where the doctors work for the government and it's funded by the government. Uh, but they're able to bargain for drug prices, which brings down the cost of prices for these vets. How come Medicare is not able to bargain for drug prices as well? Why not learn uh, uh, from the VA and, and, and allow... Uh, our government health care uh, systems uh, to to bargain, you know, collectively bargain for drug prices so that we can bring down the cost of of uh, of prescription drugs for uh, for seniors in that case. 
Well, here's the issue there is that if you look at the if you if you look at the formularies that are available to the VA versus the private sector, the the, the number and quality of drugs available to the private sector exceeds that that's available to the VA because of the problems with the VA formulary system. And so what I would do is I would look at Part D, for instance. Part D of Medicare was expected to cost hundreds of billions of dollars more than it actually cost. And the reason it, it cost less than originally projected is because we have private sector competition among the, the drug manufacturers and the, the drug distributors in this country uh, that, that has driven those costs down well below what we thought it would. So I'd, I'd look at the private sector for a solution in terms of the uh, prescription benefits for our veterans versus uh, trying to do it the way the VA's done it. Well, I... The VA spends less, I agree, but we get less quality. Um, and, and, you know, we can go on to that. That's a whole different issue we can get into in another conversation. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there, there's, I'd love to talk to you about so many other things, but I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought me back uh, uh, to these veterans issues when I was getting a little off there. But I, I really appreciate you joining us today, and I appreciate the fact that you, you uh, met with uh, the, the, the men and women from IAVA yesterday. And um, it, what can you do? I, I've, I've talked to two Democrats the last two days. What can you, and I asked them this question, what can you do today as simple as sending out a tweet or putting something on your website for people to sign that petition that you signed or anything else today? What, what action can you actually take today as simple as a tweet, something on your Facebook, a phone call? I've gotten a commitment, uh, the last two congressmen. What can you do, congressman, today? Well, we or what did you do yesterday? Anything, you know. Well, yesterday we, we tweeted out that we—I mean—we tweeted out that we met with them. We put a picture out there. We also retweeted the, the, what they had, had tweeted out. Uh, today, what we're going to do is we're going to put the uh, uh, the petition uh, on our website. Excuse me, not on our website, but on our Facebook, and we're also going to tweet it out. And they got awesome. a picture of me signing the petition. And so, hopefully, by leading by example, that we can get other people to follow along with us. We've got several thousand followers, and I'm hopeful that that many uh, folks will uh, follow our lead. All right, here's the gotcha question. Your your staff is listening. Who is the, your favorite member of your staff, Congressman? Go ahead. The favorite member of my staff, really, uh, they're all my favorite. <laughs> because, uh, they all do a great job. And, <laughs> and I can tell you this, they all put veterans first. They And they, they know that um, that's where my passions are, um, our, our veterans and our military men and women. And uh, they all make sure that, that they get, uh, I mean, if we have, for instance, we're having trouble finding a, a a meeting slot for somebody, the veterans or military men and women are always going to get that slot over anybody else. Well done. Well done. Thank you, Congressman. We appreciate your uh, your time. Make sure you tell your son that you finally joined Pete Dominic. I will. And we'll I'm get off your back. And Aggie to help you out there. In New York. You know, yes. I, did she tell you? Yeah. Melanie Starling, our producer, is uh, was a former uh, constituent of yours when she was at Texas A&M. Yes, sir. That's correct. Yep. We're, we're very, we're very, very impressed with her work. It must be the uh, the Texas in her, sir. Well, I, I think it's the Aggie in her. And I, I'd have, before we close, I'd ask our listeners to be sure to pray for our country and our military men and women and our first responders. Appreciate that. Thanks, Congressman. Thanks, Pete. All right. Congressman Bill Flores uh, of Texas refused to tell me who his favorite member of his staff is, but uh, that's exactly what he's supposed to say. That's the, that's the trick question. It's like asking you who your favorite child is. It, can't, it, can't, it cannot help you. It can really only hurt you. Uh, all right. In a moment, we're going to be talking with uh, uh, Jeremy Newton of IAVA. He's uh, going to be joining us. And uh, we've got the wrong number for Jeremy. Oh, shoot. Hmm. We'll call. Uh, call Why well, am I telling you to do it, how to do your job? Let me go to uh, James, who is on hold there. Hey, James in Wisconsin, you're on the air. Hey, Pete, how you doing? Hey. 
Good. I Thank you. To get to talk to the congressman. Um, I'm sorry. I did. I did not. I did not realize that you wanted to uh, talk to the congressman there. I apologize. Go ahead, no, though. Because I, I've been uh, talking with my representative, uh, Mark Pocan, uh, Tammy Baldwin, and uh, Ron Johnson about an idea I had. One of the problems is um, I know I'm I'm a service connected vet. When I got out in '96 in September, from starting the process in dealing with my injury, I didn't get rated my final rating until August of 07. That's almost a year. And that's not in, you know, any time of major conflict. Mm. So one of the problems is with any dealing with any bottleneck is... Well, it was a time of major conflict in 07. I mean, that was the height of the Iraq. Well, I mean, but, well it was kind of, it was in between. It was in the middle. Like, well, I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to get too stuck on that point, but I mean, that was a pretty so busy time for claims no matter what, right? Right, right. Yep. What I'm saying is, though, is now we have this huge bottleneck, 900,000 guys and women trying to get into the system. So the idea I have and the idea I've been pitching is, I call it vet care. And what is it? It acts just like Medicare. And I've been trying to get in contact with the IAVA because what I want to, them to do is this program basically works. It's a two-year gap coverage. Mm-hmm. And it would allow you to go to any doctor to be seen by well, any doctor. A- to it, deal with any issue you have. Uh, you send me that letter. Send me the letter. I'll get it to IVA. I mean, you can send it to them. They're pretty responsive yourself, but I, I can I can guarantee you I'll get it to them. So send me your okay. idea. Um, any ideas are welcome on how to uh, best take care of our vets, okay? My right, email is standup at PeteDominic.com. I read all almost all of my email from, uh, from listeners. I skip a lot of it from people at work, though. That's a problem, I think. I should probably try to read more of uh, of the email that I get from people at work. Uh, Michigan, you're on the air. Hey. Hey. I don't know your uh, – I just picked up the phone myself. What's your name? Yeah. Uh, JB. Go ahead, JB. I'm on the air now. You're on the air. Uh, well, listen, I heard that congressman say a few minutes ago that uh, Part D was cheaper because uh, private insurance was involved in it. I heard over and over and over the last two or three years that that was 13% more. Yeah, I didn't think that was right. Absolutely. Why? Why didn't I couldn't understand why you didn't uh, protest? Well, because A, I wasn't positive of it, and I didn't have the uh, the information. And B, I wanted to uh, continue the uh, the interview. I'd already gotten si- sidetracked, and I wanted to make sure that we were focused on vets. So a lot of people want to hear an argument one, and I think he was wrong, and I think you and I are right on this. But uh, I wanted to focus more on the uh, on the issue at hand, and I didn't want to get hung up again like I did earlier in that interview with the Iraq War. I can appreciate that. Yeah. It's not that I want to hear an argument, but I want to hear the truth. No, I hear you. Listen, I try to push these uh, congressmen and, if, and all of our guests as much as possible. So I, I think people generally uh, know that to be the truth. But you got to sometimes you want to keep it going. You don't want to get too far off on a subject. And that is an important issue, an argument to uh, find out the, uh, the answer to. I want to get to all the bottom of all of uh, his claims and anybody else's here on the air. And we uh, we always try to. And by the way, if his idea of privatizing claims is a good one, we should we should absolutely take a look at that. All right, we'll be right back.